Welcome to Be Happy, a podcast by the Hepatitis B Foundation discussing all things related to Hepatitis B. It's your host, Evangeline. June is Immigrant Heritage Month. Immigrant Heritage Month celebrates and recognizes the diversity of immigrant communities nationwide through storytelling. In this podcast episode, we will discuss how immigrant communities have persevered and demonstrated resiliency despite the hardships of the COVID-19 pandemic in the city of Philadelphia. To begin this discussion, I will be chatting with representatives from the Viral Hepatitis Program at the Philadelphia Department of Public Health. The Viral Hepatitis Program provides a variety of resources for those living with hepatitis, including patient navigation for people living with hepatitis B, as well as community education. In the second part of this podcast, I will be talking to an individual living with hepatitis B about their experience. To begin, let's chat with Meredith Angerica from the Viral Hepatitis Program. Meredith and Jerrica, please introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Meredith. I'm the Hepatitis B uh, Program Coordinator. Hey, everyone. My name is Jerrica, and I'm a Hepatitis B Patient Navigator. Could you um, tell us about the Viral Hepatitis Program at the Philadelphia Department of Public Health? Sure. The viral hepatitis program at the Philadelphia Department of Public Health, we work to prevent and address hepatitis B and C in Philadelphia through performing public health surveillance and developing and implementing public health education and activities that overall will help improve viral hepatitis care throughout the city of Philadelphia. Um, Through our surveillance activities, the program is able to measure the incidence and prevalence of hepatitis B and C in Philadelphia. In other words, Our program will use this data to better understand who is affected by hepatitis B and C and help better identify the communities most at risk. Our program uses this information to target our interventions and education activities. We partner with a variety of community-based organizations such as HEPI United and with Hepatitis B Foundation to provide education about viral hepatitis to communities. We also provide education for medical providers who are looking to learn more about best practices for treatment and care of persons living with hepatitis B and C. We want to make sure that all residents in the city of Philadelphia living with hepatitis B and C have access to the information needed to get tested, linked to care, kept in care, treated, and or cured. We have two perinatal hepatitis programs that coordinate case management for pregnant persons living with hepatitis B and C um, to reduce transmission of hepatitis B and C from a pregnant person to infant. That sounds like a great little program at the Department of Health. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about what hepatitis B is? Sure. Um, hepatitis B is a virus that infects the liver and is spread when blood, semen, or vaginal fluids of an infected person comes into contact with a healthy person's fluids. For example, uh, hepatitis B can be spread through sex with an infected partner. It could be spread through sharing drug equipment with an infected partner. It could also be shared um, when one receives a tattoo or piercing with equipment that has not been properly cleaned, or it can be uh, spread through childbirth from an infected infected mother to her infant. Um, Some symptoms of hepatitis B include fever, abdominal pain, yelling of the skin or eyes, um, sometimes Patients will have dark urine, they'll have uh, gray feces, or they will experience uh, vomiting or nausea. Hepatitis B for a long time and not even know it. Um, Right now, the viral hepatitis program at the health department is aware of 25,132 residents in Philadelphia living with hepatitis B. However, uh, it's really important to note that this 
that the true number of people living with hepatitis B is unknown because many people are unaware of their status. Wow, that's a lot of residents in Philadelphia um, living with hepatitis B and possibly more. So who is at risk for hepatitis B and who should get tested? Sure, um, the groups at risk for being infected with hepatitis B include, uh, here are some groups, men who have sex with men, people who inject drugs, um, household contacts or sexual partners, known people living with chronic hepatitis B, um, healthcare workers or public safety workers who may come in contact with blood or blood contaminated um, fluids uh, during their work jobs. Also, um, it's really important to note specifically for this podcast that there's certain communities of um, people, especially persons born in Asia or Africa that are more likely to have hepatitis B. And this is simply because more people in those, in those countries in those areas of the world have the infection they may have gotten the virus from their mother at birth or as a child and may not know it. Um, it is really important for people to get tested to know their status, to know if they have hepatitis B before the liver or before the virus does serious damage to the liver. Those persons who are living with hepatitis B currently are at, are, are at increased risk of developing liver disease later in life, including liver cancer. Um, so it is really recommended that certain groups of people get tested for hepatitis B. This list includes um, a variety of groups of people, but most importantly, we want people born in countries where many people are living with hepatitis B. This includes certain countries in Southeast Asia, Africa, West Pacific Islands, and Eastern Europe. Other groups that are encouraged to get tested include people born in the United States, not vaccinated as infants, whose parents were born in areas where many people are living with hepatitis B, men who have sex with men, people who inject drugs, people living with HIV, household and sexual contacts of people living with hepatitis B, pregnant persons, as well as infants born to pregnant persons, to name a few. Um, and a simple blood test can help determine your status and Hepatitis B Foundation provides great information um, on you know, the, the tests needed uh, to get done to know your status. Although there's no cure for hepatitis B, it can be managed by going to a hepatitis B treating provider. It is important for those living with hepatitis B uh, to be seen regularly by their provider just to ensure that their liver is healthy. Um, there is good news. There are medications available that can slow the progression of liver disease from hepatitis B. Also, hepatitis B is preventable through a two or three dose vaccine. Um, these vaccines are available at your local, local doctor's office or your pharmacy. And you can be protected you can be protected with these vaccines in case you ever come in contact with the virus. It's always recommended to call your provider or pharmacist beforehand to ensure that the vaccine is available on site. Thank you for all that information. Um, so what type of hepatitis B resources does PDPH provide to the community and um, people living with hepatitis B? Sure, not only does the hepatitis B program within the viral hepatitis program uh, do surveillance and data collection. We also support community programming for hepatitis B through distribution of educational materials. We do a lot of patient outreach and we also have a treatment access project. Recently, um, in June 2020, we started a patient navigation program to link persons living with hepatitis B to providers who treat hepatitis B. We have two patient navigators at the health department who call eligible individuals over the phone living with hepatitis B educate them on their diagnosis and answer any questions they may have. And our navigators were also offered to schedule an appointment for them with a hepatitis B treating provider.
when our patient advocators make appointments for the patients that they're calling, they consider all the patient preferences um, for medical providers and clinics, um, such as location, language preferences, and insurance status. Our navigators have also scheduled in-person and telehealth appointments for patients. Our navigators are always looking for ways to provide extra support when needed, whether it is finding a clinic close to the patient's home or finding a provider who speaks the patient's native language. Most importantly, our navigators encourage patients who are out of care for their hepatitis B diagnosis to go to a hepatitis B treating provider routinely. Living with hepatitis B can be very scary, but our patient navigators try their very best to provide the most helpful information to patients so they're able to make an informed decision about their medical care. Uh, the patient navigation um, program sounds pretty cool and like very informative and culturally competent towards um, your patients. So how were the patient navigation services modified during the pandemic to help Philadelphia residents living with hepatitis B re-engage or start um, hepatitis B care? So providing patient navigation services during COVID-19 has been difficult, but we have adjusted our program to meet the needs of our communities. So all of our outreach to patients have been conducted over the phone, um, which builds trust with patients becoming a more important aspect of the program. Our patient navigators build trust with patients over the phone by incorporating cultural competency into their conversations. For example, we will send additional educational materials about hepatitis B and the patient's preferred language to the patient's home. We also make sure to refer patients to providers who are familiar with the patient's culture and language. Other techniques that have been used um, to build rapport with patients over the phone include active listening and being empathic to each person's situation. That sounds like some great techniques to build trust. So Jerrica, how have you learned to build trust over the phone with patients? It seems kind of hard since it's not face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like I said previously, building trust is essential to our work as patient navigators. And it is hard um, calling patients over the phone and discussing their health matters with them um, requires us to create an environment where patients feel safe and heard. So from my experiences, a way I have learned to create this kind of environment is to be fully present in the conversations that I have with my patients. So not only are these people sharing with us their sensitive health details, they're also sharing with us their personal stories of living with hepatitis B. This can be a very daunting thing for patients to vocalize through the phone with someone they don't know well. So really listening and responding appropriately are important in creating this kind of environment where patients feel comfortable sharing their stories with us. In addition, myself being a member of the East Asian community and able to speak Mandarin to my patients from the same community allows the foundation of trust to be started from the first few exchanges on the phone call due to this shared cultural background and language that we have. Yeah, I think it's so important that you speak um, uh, with your clients in their their language. I think that's a really great way to build trust. So how would you say the program has addressed cultural and ethnic differences among the communities you serve? Yeah, so like I said before, I'm fluent in Mandarin and our other patient navigator in the program is fluent in Spanish. And we use a third-party translator for patients who speak other languages. 
The list of providers that's used for our referrals for the program is carefully curated with providers in Philadelphia who we know provide a variety of service, services that may be needed for individuals, such as language services, case management, postpartum care, primary care, etc. We have several educational materials available in different languages, um, such as, uh, to name a few, Mandarin, Vietnamese, Russian, and Spanish. We also have provided cultural humility training to medical providers throughout the city with the National Nationality Services Center, an organization serving refugee communities. Health is approached in different ways by different communities, and it is important for providers to understand cultural differences or respect that they exist if they are to best serve their patients. Our goal is to train as many providers as possible in cultural humility and hepatitis B care management so that we can curate a longer list of providers willing to take referrals from our patient navigation program. I really like that, how you guys are training the providers on the other side too, because it's not just you guys, but also the providers you're referring your clients to. I really like that a lot. Um, so Meredith, how do you plan to move forward as COVID restrictions loosen in Philadelphia? Sure, yeah, we will continue to sustain our patient navigation program as long as we can um, for those individuals who are eligible living with hepatitis B. And we really continue to, we wanna to continue to work with uh, you at the Hepatitis B Foundation on planning educational events for Philadelphia residents, especially for those communities um, most at risk. Um, we hope to organize screening and vaccination events in the near future uh, in person. Uh, for those who are interested in getting tested and vaccinated for hepatitis B. Um, and, you know, we're always thinking of ways to improve our program and make it more accessible to those communities most at risk. We actually have a community advisory board that meets regularly to discuss uh, barriers faced regularly by immigrant communities living with hepatitis B. Members uh, of the community advisory board include some doctors, pharmacists, we have social workers, we have public health professionals, we have community organizers, and persons with lived experience, to name a few. Um, the Community Advisory Board is, you know, has really served as a platform to discuss ways to improve the program and hepatitis B care for all Philadelphians, and we really plan to continue to use this Community Advisory Board moving forward um, after COVID-19 um, restrictions are loosened. And, um, you know, if you would ever like to learn more about hepatitis B, um, please feel free to contact Jerrica or myself. We also have a website with more information about viral hepatitis and ways to access treatment and care services. It's uh, phillyhepatitis.org. And Evangeline will have our access to our contact information if you have any other questions. Um, thanks so much for talking to us about your program. Um, yeah, you guys should check it out, phillyhepatitis.org. I was able to chat over the phone with an individual living with hepatitis B, so stay tuned as we talk about his patient resiliency. So lovely to meet Hi. you. Nice to meet you too. Um, so as you know, June's um, Immigrant Heritage Month, and we just want to talk about patient resiliency, especially, you know, with the pandemic and everything, you know, mm -hmm. it's like the ability to survive ups and downs of life without taking too much of a hit. And we don't have control over everything that happens to us, but we do have control over what it does and how it affects us. So that's the background of Immigrant um, Heritage Month and patient resiliency, what we're going to talk about. 
So I was just wondering if you could tell me a little bit more about yourself, your story. Okay. Okay, so now I am from Vietnam. I came, like I said, I came to this country. 1982, I was 21 years old. Mm-hmm. And I I worked most of my life until recently, but I couldn't do it anymore because I had some health issues. So you are living with hepatitis B. Um, yes. So for everyone, I think COVID impacted them in some sort of way. So I was wondering if you talk about how did COVID and the ongoing pandemic impact your care for hepatitis C, or um, how how did it make you feel? Yeah, um, obviously, obviously the COVID COVID really had a big impact on my disease. At the time, I couldn't even go see a doctor, mm. and um, and besides, I had some kind of problem of health insurance. Mm. I had no health insurance at the time. You know, I'm, I, I am so grateful. That, I mean, one of my doctors, one of my family doctors, told me about your foundation over there. They mm-hmm. asked me to call you guys for help, and I am, I mean, so grateful that, grateful that Mr. Jackson being a great health, he's very nice, very friendly, he's really, I mean, and does the aspect to help me with my, with, with, with what I need. I'm so happy you were able to reach out to us and get um, the help yeah. you needed. That's amazing. But I'm really sorry to hear that you couldn't have health insurance for it. That must have been really scary. I know. It is because me. Obviously, I there's no way I can afford the medication. Yeah. For one point, there's no way I can afford to see a doctor for help. I have so, a lot of things to help me, okay? I mean. Yeah. What helped you stay resilient was a good support system is what I'm hearing. No. Yeah, I would say so, okay? I mean, some, some public, but most, most of the... Most of the people help me. They are some someone I know. Oh yeah, that's so good. Like friend, um, your doctor referring you to the foundation for uh, resources for help. Is there anything else that you use to help you? Your foundation really helpful. Hmm. The offer, the offer me is is I can deny for the medication by the. Jefferson Hospital, mm-hmm. they, will, they will help me to find a medication for me. I mean, it is affordable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean your, your foundation is great. He helped me a lot. Dr. Finn was very nice, very generous. He, he is one of few the doctors have a high heart. That's so good that you have a good relationship with your doctor. It's so important. Yeah, I know. What do you recommend as first steps to someone who wants to build resiliency, which is the ability to survive the ups and downs of life? 
Um, I would say don't to be to be strong, mm. to be strong. I mean, yeah, and um, just do whatever necessary to 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 to, to help yourself to solve the problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. But besides, most importantly, I made a mistake in my life that I did not save enough money for my future. Are there any um, last thoughts you want to share with someone else who might be going through the same situation? My advice to these people out there, whoever had my disease, Go to you. Go to your foundation first to ask advice before you go to you go to find a doctor. Right. Thank thank you for that last piece of advice. It was lovely talking. Grateful that you know you were willing to come on this and um, tell us about how you were able to stay resilient through it all. And I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. You're welcome. Thanks for listening today. We will see you guys on the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe.